to the December Cabinet meeting, um, live uh, broadcast live as we understand. Um, we will start with apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Leslie Wells has been in touch with me. Uh, she's unable to make tonight due uh, to her uh, father-in-law in hospital. No other ones received. Chairman, um, if I could declare an interest in um, the local council tax support in so much as it relates to Essex County Councils. Okay, no other apologies or declarations, in which case we'll move on to item two, the minutes of the previous meeting. Uh, this was the Cabinet meeting held on the 22nd of October. Um, are there a true record? Thank you, Councillor Howell. Um, everybody agree with that? Good. Okay. Then we'll move on to item three, matters arising from those minutes. Uh, I'll take CA 40 to 42, 43 to 44, 45, 46 to 48, 49 to 51. Okay, those minutes will be duly signed as a true record. There were no matters arising from the minutes. Um, questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council? Now, I believe uh, Mr Sell would like to speak, but you don't have to speak now if your item is related to um, car parking. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, we'll do that. Any other uh, questions or statements from non-executive members? Matters, re matters referred to the executive, item five. Reports from performance and audit and scrutiny committees. Councillor Dean. There was just uh, one item I thought I'd mention. I'd, I'd like to come in on when, we, when you talk about LCTS, but um, which, which the scrutiny committee in November did look at, but I just thought I'd make one remark at, at this point, and that was because it, it refers to the Cabinet. I, I wrote to Councillor Ranger at the beginning of November um, about the review of the Cabinet Committee that the Constitution Working Group carried out some over 12 months ago, I think, um, because the, a potential fresh review of the Cabinet system was, is on the list of possible items. At this stage, it is a possible item for the work programme for scrutiny committees. So I, I wrote to Councillor Range on the, I think it was the 7th of November, asking if you could tell me whether the previous review, whether all the actions had been carried out and therefore whether that, if you will, was behind us. Um, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't get a response by the time of the scrutiny committee on the 17th of November. I, I wrote to him again a couple of days ago uh, reminding him, so I just thought I'd raise it now that there is a communication problem, but secondly just to alert the Cabinet to the possible, and I will only say at this stage, possible fresh look at the Cabinet system, but I think will, the important thing is we need to know where we are at the moment in terms of the last review which took place 
I think 18 months ago, something like that. Okay, I'll write to Councillor Ranger uh, on that. Any other, uh, anything else from scrutiny? You'll come in later. Okay, uh, item seven is uh, an update uh, from the Refugee Working Group. Thank you, Chairman. Um, there's not a lot um, to report other than uh, that's different to the last meeting. Um, there is, uh, I believe, three families expected to arrive in Essex in the, uh, before Christmas, and they are all to be housed at, um, in, in Colchester. Um, we will be meeting with um, the people that are sort of organising that um, after after the refugees have been settled so that we can find out how they got on, what, how it worked and if, if there's anything we can as a council learn from that we will be doing that. We have um, also through Essex County Council as you know we, we said we had one um, property available we, we also have another property that's come forward through um, private um, rented who's prepared to rent it at a social rent um, so at the moment that is um, all I've got to report. I don't know if anyone else has got anything further on that. But. Uh, well, Mr Harper and I, uh, and I'll ask Mr Harper to chip in in a minute, attended the um, Leader-in-Chief Executive meeting today in Chelmsford, and it was an item on the agenda, and the Bishop of uh, Colchester uh, was in attendance with another uh, member of the church. And uh, they repeated what you've just said, um, and Colchester are very much looking forward to those um, uh, refugees uh, who will be arriving before Christmas. They don't want uh, a, a big uh, uh, publicity around it. They think it's far because they, they learned some lessons from Glasgow, uh, where the media was sort of camped out um, on, on on the doors. So. It, it's, it's, it's to allow people to arrive and then in due course um, just to say how they're integrating. But it's going very well, um, very good partnership. The Bishop was very uh, complimentary to Essex County Council uh, and vice versa. The church has been um, very involved. Uh, it's a multi-faith um, um, group that are, are working. So the, the thing is working well. My question was, I'm sure the residents of Uttlesford would want to play their part uh, and uh, there will be uh, quite a lot of further activity in the first quarter of next year and clearly we'll be plugged into that. And uh, Mr Harbour, if you want to add to that. Yes, I think we're keen to establish some sort of uh, programme for the next 12 to 18 months and indeed Mrs Minnership and I will be meeting Essex County Council staff to uh, to take that forward in so far as Atlas is concerned. Councillor Dean. Could I ask um, Councillor Redfern or, or Mr Harborough, um, obviously we haven't been called on to support anybody at the moment, but could we just have an update on what offers of accommodation this council has been able to put forward in case the need arises, please? Um, certainly, as I just said, we, we've, we've offered a property in Saffron Walden, um, which is a three-bedroomed property, um, and we also, as I say, we have another property that's come forward from a private um, landlord, um, and they are the two properties that we've got, uh, got available at this moment. Good, thank you. We'll move on to item eight, which is uh, budget monitoring 15-16, quarter two. Councillor Howell. 
thank you, Leader. I, I have a bit of a marathon in front of me with seven papers. We'll start off with the budget monitoring for 2015-16, quarter two. Um, the report details the financial reporting uh, in relation to the general fund, the housing revenue account, uh, the capital programme and also treasury management in the period. Uh, and it's based upon actual expenditure and income from April to October, and it predicts the position at the end of the financial year. Um, I, I'm assuming that members of the Cabinet and, and, and councillors have, have read the paper in full, so I won't read it line by line, but it's sufficient to say that the General Fund is forecasting an underspend of £1,213,000, and this is an increase in the underspend that was reported last, uh, last, uh, last time. Um, of uh, £664,000. It's primarily due to the business rates income that's, that's been realised as part of a review of the business rates um, system um, or scheme rather which has been undertaken by officers and I'll speak to that in more, more detail further into the report. Um, in addition to the general fund, the housing revenue account is forecasting an underspend of £598,000, mainly due to slippage on various capital programmes. Uh, and the capital programme is similarly forecasting an underspend of £4,168,000. Again, £4.4 million of that relates to slippage, and there is a net overspend on various capital projects of £200,000. There are three recommendations uh, to uh, Cabinet tonight. Uh, one is to note and approve the report. The second is to approve the transfer of £1.148 million from the business uh, rates uh, reserve to the Strategic Initiative Fund Reserve. The details of that are set out on page 29, which is Appendix uh, B of the report and similarly to approve the transfer uh, of the general fund surplus of £1.213 million to the Strategic Initiative Fund. Again, the details of that are set out on page 29 in Appendix B. Um, I'll deal with the general fund, the um, housing revenue account and the capital programme in turn. Um, I'd like you to turn, if you wouldn't mind, with respect to the general fund to item 8 on page 14. That identifies the four service areas, communities and partnerships, environmental services, finance administration and housing and economic development. Um, you can see there the original budget and then the forecast outturn. Um, and in the case of the three of those four, excluding finance administration, uh, the forecast variance is relatively minor in the, in the scale of their budgets. Uh, so, for example, communities and partnerships are, are forecasting a um, a variance of £7,000 against their original budget. There are some, however, some quite significant movements across the period, but I, I, may, I, point, I pointed those particularly because those are the areas of the organisation where we effectively are delivering our services and where we can effectively budget for the, for the outcome for the year. And I, I want to emphasise that in, for the most part, the variances are items that you might say are outside of our control or more difficult to predict. Um, Item 8 sets out the, the various details and the movements, and you can uh, identify all of the details of those in Appendix A, in the case of Communities and Partnerships on page 25, Environmental Services on 26, um, Finance and Admin on tw page 27, and Housing and Economic Development on page 28. And there's a very helpful summary 
Of all of the major items of overspend and underspend which exceed £10,000 set out on page 15 and 16, various items relating to increased income and decreased income, uh, again, um, which help give some flavour to the details which are set out in Appendix A. Um, the key movements, however, um, are around uh, non-domestic rates, business rates, and um, the real challenge that we've faced took place in 2013-14 when for the first time uh, local authorities were responsible um, for processing the business rates retention scheme and um, those of us who were on the performance and audit committee will remember that we were encouraged by our external auditors to make a particularly prudent provision against this. This was uh, the first time it was introduced um, and there was a great deal of debate about how prudent we had to be. In the event, it's quite clear that the business rates appeals that have taken place were probably more in line with officers' original predictions than the, the reserve. And as a consequence, we have been able to release money from the business rates reserve. The total, re the total relate, release is now a total of £3,150,000, I think. But Angela Knight, who is the author of this paper, will re remind me if I've got that right or wrong. Um, right. I'm not going to go through, through all of the details, um, but it, it is important to, to identify the fact that the major changes, in, in my view, uh, come under the funding heading, which is relating to business rates, uh, and in particular as set out in, in item 10, rather than significant variances in our underlying core service delivery. Moving on to the housing revenue account, uh, the housing revenue account is showing a projected forecast underspend uh, of £598,000, roughly £600,000. The details of that are set out in the report on page 30 in Appendix C. Um, great deal of detail, uh, but it primarily relates to um, a, an underspend. Let's get this right. It relates to a slippage, I beg your pardon, uh, in the capital programme, and the details are set out in page 14. And moving then on to the capital programme, uh, which is item 16 in this report, the details of this are set out on page 31 in Appendix D, but again we're forecasting capital expenditure of £10,946,000 against a budget of £15 million. So there's a reduction in our capital spending of um, £4.2 million. That's made up of £4.3 million, £4.4 million in slippage, leaving an actual net underspend in the capital in the in the current capital programme of about £200,000 and the requested slippages are set out in detail on page 22. The vehicle replacement programme has been delayed. There's been a delay in the Dunmo depot, Caton's Lane. Um, there's been an update on the timescales. There are details there set out in the report around Reynolds Court, Mead Court and Hatherley Court. Um, and there are also details on the key under or overspends. A, a great deal of information, um, and I'm happy to answer questions. Uh, I may have to defer, refer to Angela Knight for, for some of the detail. I do need to make reference also tre to Treasury Management. There is a paper later on, I think the next item, which is a review of our Treasury Management um, uh, practices. Um, but Appendix E, which is set out on pages 34 to 35, 
um, identifies uh, the treasury management activity that has taken place in the period from the start of the financial year, so from April the 1st through to the 16th of October. Uh, in that time, there were deposits made of £115 million pounds, uh, in the seven, six and a half month period, and we currently have deposited balances of £33 million. Pounds. It's interesting to note, and of relevance when we look at the next item, that the, the average interest rate that we received on our short-term deposits was 0.33%, and our longer-term deposits, which are set out on page 35, of 0.41%. We might try and retain that number because it becomes relevant in the next item. That is the report, and the recommendation to Cabinet is to approve, uh, or note firstly, and approve the report, and then to approve the two transfers. Thank you. Councillor Barker, Councillor Lodge. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, thank you, Councillor Howard. It's a very comprehensive report, and uh, um, the, the one thing that caught my eye while I was reading, it was on page 17 regarding the rates, and the fact that we collect business rates from renewable energy businesses and we retain 100% of those business rates. Is that sort of if the company is based in Uttlesford or is it if the company has a solar farm in Uttlesford and that solar farm pays business rates which we then retain 100% of? I was, I was just interested because in the new world of business rates, um, if it is the company needs to be based in Uttlesford, then that's quite an incentive to us if we could keep it. Well, well, Councillor Barker, I'm not even going to hazard a guess at an answer to that. If you don't mind, can I defer it to somebody who's much better informed than me? <laughs> uh, we will defer it to someone who's much better qualified than us. <laughs> we, we will come back to you with an answer on that one. Thank you. Councillor Lodge, then Councillor Dean. Uh, um, uh, microphone, sorry. Sorry. So a major point and a, and a minor point. Um, overall, it looks to be good news. We seem to be heading very much in the, in the right direction. Uh, the uh, the non-domestic rates is an interesting uh, area. You, you said that you were talking about uh, on page 17, 1.5 million. Later, I think you said there's 3 million year to date of uh, recovery. Is, the, is this a one-off? Um, or is it likely to be a trap? I, I know you can't answer the, the question about retention of rates, but to, do you know, as we see it at the moment, is it a one-off, or is it likely to be an ongoing trend? Well, was that the easy one, or was that the difficult one? That was the more difficult one. Good, because I don't know the answer to that, so I'm going to rely on somebody who does budget and forecast and can tell. I, I think this is, I'll defer as well, but I think this is more about the reserve that we held and the release uh, from the reserve, because uh, as Councillor Howell indicated, we had problems with one particular uh, business uh, on the airport, oh, yes. uh, which could have given us a significant liability, and we were strongly recommended to put in protection. Now, if I may add to your question, which is the confidence that we have around the situation going forward, that that kind of situation won't repeat itself. So we've reduced the reserve, uh, and we'll come on later to how we might use uh, that money. Uh, but obviously we need some confidence in terms of the situation going forward. So if you can combine those two questions, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is a one-off this year in the release in the reserves. Obviously, we set a reserve of, I think it was 4.4 million originally. We've now taken that. We have used some of the reserve last year. Um, but due to 
the reduction in the amount of appeals that have gone through currently, there's less income being released into the collection fund. We also set a prudent rate of collection on the actual income within the general fund, um, which we have now brought up to the baseline level, which we expect is more realistic. And so on the face of it, we are receiving more income through the general fund, but due to the reduction in the actual release of appeals into the collection fund, which is a separate fund, that means that there's less income coming out through the collection fund, so we have to pay a lower levy to central government, which is reduced by half a million pounds, which is all shown within here. It is complex. Um, it, it's a tricky area because it's two separate accounts. You've got the collection fund and you've got the general fund, and then you've got the reserve. And the reserve was set up to... Um, buffer us against any future year deficits that might come out of the collection fund. Due to the reduction in appeals, we feel fairly confident over the next few years we'll be in a surplus with the collection fund, which means there will be less income released into the collection fund, but more income within the gen face of the general fund that will be actually collected. Does that help? <laughs> it does help, yes, but I, I, um, obviously but, but the, the, the release to reserves is in fact is, is positive to the revenue for this year, is it not? It, it, is, it is, it is, yes, yes. yes. and so also it, it reduces yeah. our reserve down because we feel there's le re less reliance on that. Yes, understand but, that. So the release to reserve is just this year. Yeah, understand, yes. Okay. Right, thank you. Okay. And my minor point was, I think if I remember down at about 35 on Treasury management, which that uh, of the of the five and a half million out, over three of it, three or three million, it was with Barclays, which seemed a lot. Um, was that not over the limit? No, it wouldn't be over the limit. But is it approaching a limit? Yeah, page 35 of the balances on call deposit. Uh, there was there's over three million out of five and a half with Barclays, which seemed a, a strange mix. Page 35. We haven't breached the Treasury management policy, so um, the levels are appropriate. I think they will be reviewed, in, where are we now, February, as part of the budget setting. Um, and the next report does take us through some options that we may have in terms of alternatives. But um, they, they are within our existing terms of what we can lend with individual banks. Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Just to follow on from um, Councillor Lodger's question, I think, I think I've understood that we're moving money from one reserve or one pot and putting it in another. Um, I, I did hear you say, uh, Chairman, that uh, there may be some ideas for making use of that, but I think that's the key thing. If it's just going from one pot and staying in another pot, then nothing really changes. So it is a, it is a case of looking at that and, uh, and, and doing something um, sensible. Um, and I'd be interested to hear that and uh, support it if it's good. I just pick up the, um, the second item, which of course is the uh, transfer to the general fund of a £1.2 million expected underspend, um, or at least that's the figure at the present time. Um, it, it reminds me, and again, I think that one wants to be making good alternative use of that money as well. 
But it reminds me of a discussion that we had about um, six months ago, and I can't remember that. Well, I may remember the term correctly. It was something like we had a, a debate about net variances when we were closing the books for the previous uh, council year, and I think I took one point of view in terms of what that net variance was, and Councillor Howell in particular, supported by yourself, Chairman, said that it... Uh, uh, you know, we're taking the line that it meant we were bang on target and I was saying no we weren't bang on target we just put it into a reserve and we had really underspent I think that uh, whole process has been resolved in that when the uh, accounts are closed for the current financial year which presumably we'll be looking at in about six months from now it will be made quite clear uh, what are real variances and what are Variances are possibly disguised by putting them into reserves, which was a discussion we had six months ago. I just like assurance. I, I know this was discussed at a performance and audit committee meeting that I wasn't present at, but I thought it's appropriate to raise it now to make sure we don't have any misunderstanding amongst us uh, in, in roughly six months' time. Well, we'll ask. Uh, do you want to answer that, Councillor? Um, I think the fact that it's fully transparent tonight actually answers your question. But I'll ask um, um, either Mrs Knight or Mr Webb in terms of how we will show that. But we will show the position for the year and then obviously do the transfer. And as I've said before, Councillor Howell will be indicating in terms of what we need to do later on with those reserves. Thank you. I don't like the term disguised. Um, there's no disguising of stuff in the accounts. They're, they're fully disclosed within the reserves and that's the way it's always been and that's the way we have to operate. Um, we will make it fully transparent at the time of drawing up the accounts. Thank you. Okay, if there are no other questions, uh, I go back to the recommendation um, on which is... Um, item 6 on the paper um, the, the cabinet is recommended to note and approve the report approve the transfer of uh, 1.48 million from the business rates reserve to the strategic uh, initiative fund reserve and approve the transfer of the general fund surplus of 1.213 million to the strategic initiative funds those in favour those against unanimous thank you uh, we now move on to item 9, uh, Treasury Management Benchmarking. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, this paper comes out of a, um, a, a proposal or a request at a previous Cabinet meeting um, to look at the um, approach that we adopt towards our Treasury management and to identify whether how we compare uh, with other councils in Essex and it needs to be put in the context, as Councillor Lodge mentioned the word lands banking, um, I think that perhaps has coloured our approach to treasury management over the last four years, four or five years. It was a fairly um, traumatic experience for many local authorities and we have adopted an extremely cautious, the phrase is extremely cautious, I, I certainly think we have adopted a cautious policy to date. Um, it is worthy of review, however, to identify whether it's the appropriate thing. You often find yourself protecting against the last crisis, if that makes sense, and it is worth reviewing. Um, 
whether it is the appropriate policy. So we have instructed Arlene Close uh, to review how our Treasury management approach compares to that of other councils. It is worth noting that it was difficult to do a benchmarking against Essex councils, uh, and so instead they have presented a paper which identifies the performance or the behaviours uh, of their other clients. And I can't right of me remember how many that is, but it's about 100. I think I think I recall reading. But anyway, um, there is a very, very interesting report that sets out in Appendix A where our interest rate compares uh, to other clients uh, on page 42. And it is noteworthy that our returns are at the lower end of the spectrum. It is also noteworthy that the vast majority of Arling Close's clients um, are between um, 0.3% and 1%. So there are very few outliers. There is quite impressively one council that appears to earn 8% on its income, which I find astonishing. And there is one council that succeeded in losing money on its, um, on its deposits, which find, I find even more astonishing in a way. Um, uh, this report is really, really well written and I really enjoyed reading it. It's the kind of thing I quite enjoy, actually. If I refer you to Appendix B on page 43, we, um, it's one of those great things, and I'm sure Councillor Lodge spent lots of time in business looking where his business was in the, were we in the bottom left or the top right corner, all that kind of thing. We're in the bottom left, so that means that we have the lowest appetite for risk but we also have one of the lowest returns for our investments. Um, if you run the line across to the right, what is quite shocking, however, is that there is a council that appears to have, where we have a risk of 3.2, they have a risk of about 5.1 and earn nothing more than we do. So I, I do need to emphasise, what we do is not broken. It is most definitely the right approach in the context of our experiences. But I am of the view that we don't want to be in the bottom left, we want to be in the, uh, in the top left, if that makes sense. So we want to keep, if we can, a similar attitude to risk, but get a better return. And it's quite clear that there are some councils, if you take a, a, um, an area, there are about five councils immediately above us, above the horizontal line, where they get a significant, significantly improved uh, return on their investments, but appear not to take a significantly greater risk in counterparty. And, and that's the kind of lesson which is interesting for us to take away from this exercise. Um, Appendix C and D shows the key variances where we invest our money um, compared to most of our peer group. And what is quite clear is that many of our peer group um, put some of their proceeds in money market funds and external fund managers, unlike us, we tend to put it on deposit with local authorities or on fixed term deposits or on notice accounts, more so than our peer group. These things are all relative, of course, um, but it, it is noteworthy. Um, 
I don't think that Appendix E, which is the variances of investment counterparty, is necessarily that interesting. We appear to favour Royal Bank, sorry, we favour Bank of Scotland over a, over a range of other uh, institutions. But the real key for me from reading this report is that other councils have taken an approach which utilises money market funds and external funds such as the churches, charities and local authorities, the CCLA property fund, as an alternative. We do need to be minded of the fact that some councils may be in a position to put significant amounts of money on long-term deposit. We, I don't believe, have that luxury. Um, and so that's inevitably going to temper our approach. But the recommendation, somewhere is that uh, we undertake uh, that the 1617 Treasury Management Strategy is prepared with the aim of ensuring an improved rate of return uh, is achieved whilst acknowledging the risk appetite of the Council. I don't have a massive risk appetite, I've got to be honest, but maybe, maybe we have approached this with an overly cautious uh, attitude and we could both improve our return without increasing our risk and we could perhaps increase our return even more by taking on a modest increase in risk, if that makes sense. Any comments? Councillor Barker. Could I just ask, will the Treasury Management Strategy come back to us for implementation in 2016, so between now and April, so that we go into a new year with a fresh approach? Yes, it comes as part of the February, the whole budget setting exercise. So the steer you give us here will form that new policy. Um, I, I, it's a very good report, and uh, it was actually me, if you remember, who, who asked for it. And um, it, you know, there's, a, there's a certain consistency in terms of um, what, we're, the, what we're getting in return, and uh, now we know what some others are doing. I'm disappointed that there's, there's nothing else from the rest of Essex. I refer to the meeting uh, this morning um, and, and there was a general sense of, of sharing, be, being mutually supportive. So I can't believe that if you asked the other district councils, they wouldn't give you the information. Uh, not you personally, but Arlene Close. So I think they've rather not pursued that. Uh, my second point would be, what are we talking in cash terms? So if uh, our average rate of, of, of interest was 0.5 of 1%, um, and what I'd, I'd be looking for two figures, 0.5 of 1% and 0.75 of 1%. These are the two rates that um, are quoted in paragraph 19. And um, so I think when you uh, relate risk, uh, it's always good to have a, a, a cash figure in mind as well. So uh, I, I'd be grateful for that. Well, well Leader, I, I hate to differ uh, ever with you. Um, but if I'm absolutely honest, I'm not sure that it is interesting to see what Essex have done, but actually the scale and size of the, um, the benchmarking exercise that Arlene Close has been able to provide, I think can give you the comfort um, that if it is 120 uh, local authorities, while it is interesting to see what Tendering and Braintree do, I'm keen that we benchmark ourselves against all councils 
um, rather than just those in Essex. I, I accept the point that it would be nice to know, and it is frustrating. I read the report. I understand it's not possible to produce the detailed benchmarking exercise for Essex. I'm sure we can, by talking to other councils, identify what that information is. But for the purposes of, 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 of this review, I think we have a, a sturdy amount of data on which to, to, to instruct officers to go out. I'd also refer you to item 16 on the bottom of page 39, um, which shows that we, on average, generate an income of 0.32% on our investments. Yep. Um, and so that's 80,000 pounds a year, £81,000. Um, I, I, I think simple mental math suggests that you're probably going to add 40 or so thousand um, or something of that nature, but Adrian Webb's going to contradict me. No, not quite contradict you. Um, just correct you. Um, it'll, <laughs> it'll probably be about an extra 100,000 if we got to, from where we are on that Appendix B, if we went from where we are to just above the line, so the, the council here was talking about the five or so, it'd be about another 100,000. We would need to make changes to the policy because at the moment uh, you may recall that we're restricted to quite a short time spell with any one bank. To make those changes and move into that sort of realm, you would need to invest with people longer. We do have the money and the capacity to do that, but we've been stopped since the issues we encountered mm. eight years ago. So there would be quite a bit of change. Okay, well, I, I mean, tonight we're just um, uh, um, acknowledging a report. The recommendation is recommended, is prepared. The aim of ensuring an improved rate. Oh, right, we're making a, a decision then. Um, okay. I, I think if I can, I think from what I gathered from what Councillor Howe said, you're, you're looking at a similar risk appetite, but you'd like a better return. Well, that would be ideal. Well, yeah. that, 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 is, that is those five councils just above the line. Yeah. I mean, if that's the steer you're giving us, then we will base the policy around the policies of those five councils, um, uh, which would seem quite sensible way to go. Councillor Howe's going to have a go and get back at me now. Sorry, no, no, I, and, and I'm, I'm reinforcing the point. I, I think... Councillor Lodge, I'm sure, will, and everyone who's seen these things, you definitely don't want to be in the top right box. You don't want to be in the bottom right box. You, you only really want to be in the top left box, if that makes sense. And as far as I can see, those who increase their appetite for risk have not, for the most part, increased their return. Um, there is one outlier up at 2%, who had, but I presume that they're on long-term deposit. There are very, very few, despite Appendix A, which seems to suggest all these people are earning vast amounts of money. They all seem to be earning lots of money by, by significantly increasing, and it, is quite, it appears to be a relatively significant increase in risk. So I would suggest, if you can deliver on that first thing, that's the impressive thing to do, um, and then we can explore whether we want to increase our risk, but it doesn't appear to give us anything more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, but I think uh, going back to Mr. Webb's proposition of reviewing um, comparative risk for a better return and whether there are options to do that, you may be right, there may not be options, then clearly the Council would be... Um, you know, failing in its duty to use public funds appropriately. Um, 
this is a tricky one because no council wants to go through another Landers Banky situation, but um, we're, we're not talking about that at all. And th th this is about being slightly smarter than, than we've been in the past, I think. So if that's the steer that we can give you, I, I like your, your title of uh, similar risk levels, but for better returns. And if we use that perhaps as our guide, um, that probably won't reach another 100,000. But, um, you know, this is serious money uh, when we come on to some of the later papers. So if that is to guide in the recommendation uh, paragraph 9, um, can I put that to the Cabinet? It's recommended that the 1617 Treasury Management Strategy is prepared with the aim of ensuring an improved rate of returns in achieved while acknowledging the risk appetite of the Council. Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. I now move on to item 10, I believe, which is a, a review of the autumn statement, such as we've had it. Um, thank you, Leader. Absolutely. The shortest paper that I'm presenting this evening, three pages, and I'm afraid it presents an incomplete picture. Um, but I think it actually probably overshadows all of the other papers in its importance and, and significance, despite the fact that we don't have a clear picture uh, at this stage. So, on the 25th of November, the Chancellor issued his long-awaited autumn statement, and it told us some things, but it's left quite a lot unsaid. Um, so, unfortunately, I don't have the necessary detail to be able to give you a firm opinion on the funding that's going to be available for us over the lifetime of this council. Um, this report identifies some of the things we do know. It identifies some of the key areas. Um, and it's going to be clear that other things are going to become apparent over, over time. In the course of the next few months, the intention is to come back to Cabinet and then to Council with our proposal for the budget in, in, in January. Um, overall, um, it's quite clear from the autumn statement that the Local Government Departmental Expenditure Limit, called DEL, is going to be um, a, a, a equivalent to a 46% cut in funding in cash terms or 56% in real terms. However, we need to remind ourselves that business rates are going to be uh, included um, as, uh, or retained, and the consequence of that is that the cut is not perhaps quite as significant. Uh, it's going to be roughly 21% in cash terms or 31% in real terms. And interestingly, the, the Treasury is actually predicting that by 2019 uh, 20, um, Local, or local authority spending is actually going to be 200 million higher in real terms than it is currently. Um, but as is highlighted in bold, this is based on the fairly challenging predictions that we are that all councils are going to increase their council tax by the maximum that is in, they're entitled to do, and that the tax base will grow by an underlying 0.75% per annum for the lifetime of that period. So, so the assumption of a total increase of 200 million over four years is based on those assumptions, and, and it's, it's 
going to be interesting to see whether those assumptions prove to be correct or not. What is clear from the autumn statement is that there is a significant change in the allocation of funding between different tiers of government, oh, sorry, different tiers of local authorities, um, and there is a very clear shift in funding from uh, the bottom tier, district councils, uh, to the upper tier, and in particular to social care. What we do know is that the new homes bonus is going to be significantly changed over the next few years. The suggestion is that there's going to be a reduction of £800 million. That's roughly a cut of two-thirds from the £1.2 billion. Um, we don't know when that's going to fall, what the timing is that's going to be. Uh, we don't know whether it's going to be applied in full at, in one go, whether there's a cliff edge, whether it's going to be tapered. Uh, we don't even know whether it's going to be sharpened in the phrasing in this report. There are a variety of things we don't know. But since we have been one of the um, greatest beneficiaries of new homes bonus, I think we need to be prepared for the expectation that our new homes bonus allocation at some point in the life of this council is going to be reduced by as much as two-thirds. The consequences of that are set out in 15, which talks about our current new homes bonus allocations or income rather, um, and what would be the consequences, and I'll draw your attention to the line in red below the total on 15. Currently, in 15-16, we receive new homes bonus of 3,598,000. The assumption is in 16-17 that it will be held flat rather than increasing to the 4,288,000 we were expecting. But thereafter, if there were a two-thirds cut, um, our income, instead of being 4,196,000, will be 1,199,000 effectively a deficit of nearly £3 million. There is going to be a consultation around the new homes bonus. It is quite clear that the saving that will be used will be used to fund social care by county councils. And I don't think that anybody who read the, heard the news headlines today about the number of, I think, the, 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 the challenges for the NHS and the social care budget can, can, can fail to understand why the government is adopting this approach. But nevertheless, as the council, one of the councils that has benefited, in inverted commas, from new homes bonus, we are almost certainly going to be disproportionately, significantly perhaps affected. In item 14, it identifies some, some research that's been published by the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy. And SIPFA, interestingly, identifies Uttlesford in Essex as the, county that, as, as the council that's most likely to be affected. By the time of the next election, in 2019-20, um, we will be facing a £4 million per annum challenge to our budget. Um, it is a very significant piece of information that we need to be prepared for. I can't give you all the details of what it means immediately. I can't tell you what the timing of this is going to be. But this gives you some idea of what the likely costs are going to be. Moving on to business rates, it's been previously reported that councils will be able to retain 100% of business rates. And yet the autumn statement gives a little bit more colour to what that's going to involve. And it's quite clear, I think, that in return 
we will be asked to take on additional responsibilities. And officers have suggested that one of the main areas that's the potential for us to having to fund will be housing benefit for pensioners, and that responsibility will be transferred to us. And I think it's reasonable at this point for us to assume that we will not be significantly better off as a consequence of us being able to retain 100% of our business rates. I don't like to tell you bad news but I feel that I need to put that quite clearly. It's quite clear also that authorities are going to be encouraged to use their reserves to manage change. And we have been a prudently run council for a number of years. We have the reserves to be able to manage this process. We have the appetite and the ability, I believe, in this authority for us to manage these challenges. It's important, though, that we are completely realistic about the scale of the challenges uh, that are likely to face us. Um, there will be a briefing to members um, on the evening of the 11th of January. I'll be presenting uh, the budget strategy for 2016-17 to the Cabinet on the, the 12th of January, the next day. Um, and we will have a clearer idea of the uh, intentions around new homes bonus and the business rates retention in, in the course of the next couple of weeks, I think, uh, when we understand what our formula grant is going to be and our funding. And that is a paper for us to dwell on over Christmas. December the 17th, I understand, is the day when we get the detail of uh, next year or the next three years. It, it will certainly be next year. It will then open consultation or give details of consultation around the proposals for new homes bonus and possibly the proposals for business rate retention. So, um, thank you, Councillor Howell. That's very clear. And I think um, whilst there might be, well, there's uncertainty for all the years, but I think however you measure it, um, the years 17, 18, um, 18, 19, and possibly 1920 will be a challenge. Whether after that we get some improvement through business rates, we'll find out in due course. Um, but it's certainly a different world to the one that we have been living in. Um, anybody like to comment? Question. Councillor Lodge. Well, just a quick comment. Uh, on the face of it, the retention of business rates seems like a massive advantage to us. And I'm not, not going to asked to look too, too deeply at this moment because I know there's so many questions to answer. I'm just surprised that uh, having, having such a good business rate base for a relatively small population, we don't come out well, but I will wait. Happy to wait and see. Well, we'll uh, you're in the optimistic uh, glass half cup group, which is, uh, I'm sort of, sort of there as well. We do know, Councillor Howell has indicated one thing, the government's being very clear, you're going to have to take on further responsibility. The other thing we're crystal clear is that there will, will, be, will be some levelling across the country, because clearly we, we are going to get a lot, there'll be other areas that get, get a little, there will be levelling. So I think the government will be true to its word, local government will keep all of business rates. But overall, and with a lot more responsibility. Now, whether that ends up that we end up well off or not as a result of that, only time will tell. Councillor Dean. I'd like to return to my favourite topic, reserves, which uh, Councillor Howell mentioned towards the end of his uh, presentation. Um, 
and, and, and in particular the, the terminology of managing change. I, th I think for me the, the key is that if, if uh, income is uh, reduced that we don't go in for crude and simple service cuts but that we actually take what I'd call a, a, an innovative approach to the way that the council operates to see how we can increase our productivity, how we can continue to deliver as much as we can with either the same or, or similar resources or, or, or even no, probably less resources in some cases. Um, and, I, and I guess part of managing change is also being innovative, as I think has been mentioned, in terms of increasing income from other sources. So, so a lot of it is to me using these reserves to invest, to invest in two ways. One, the way the, the council operates so it can operate more effectively. Secondly, uh, into um, in, in part into infrastructure in the district because one of the much of the reserve that we have is has come through from new homes bonus and new homes bonus one of the purposes of that is to adapt your district to accommodate and to be able to provide uh, the amenities etc sorting out the infrastructure that, that an increased population needs and I'm not sure we've done enough of that so I, I think that uh, now is the time to actually look at the so-called strategic reserve and, and think a bit more um, imaginatively than, than we have done up to now. And my second point relates to paragraph 22 in the report about the member briefing. Two things really. One is I was going to ask whether in view of the significance of this topic that we could have an afternoon session and an evening session on the on that date in January in order to give maximum, num maximum number of members the opportunity to, to take part. However, uh, I am a little alarmed by the point that um, uh, Councillor Howell made that this is a day before the Cabinet meeting when the uh, budget strategy will be set. So it strikes me that this workshop will be nothing more than a talking to rather than an opportunity to think through opportunities of the sorts of things I've just been talking about in order to influence the budget strategy because the day before a budget meeting by which time the papers will have been written and published probably means that nothing will change. So I'd, I'd, I'd like um, a response to that because um, whether it's an afternoon session or an evening session I'd like to attend and feel it's worth attending uh, rather than just staying at home and reading a paper. Well, Councillor Dean, I always welcome your thoughts and we don't have to wait for a member briefing for you to communicate your thoughts. The reality is that we are going to have to cut our coats according to the cloth available to us. It would be nice to think that the reserves that we have available to us would solve all the problems that we face I know how much a pavement in Hempstead cost. It was the tiniest pavement you could imagine. And it cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. It is quite remarkable um, how much infrastructure costs. I'm delighted that Essex County Council spend as much as they do on our infrastructure because these items are very, very costly. We have to be realistic about the scale and the size of our reserves. They, they, on the face of it, they look 
large numbers, but we need to remind ourselves that each of these reserves has an allocation against it. They're almost like dozens of little buckets of water, and they're each identified against, uh, against an individual item that we may, and we hope we probably won't have to, but almost certainly will have to use. The actual amounts available to us, called the Strategic Initiative Fund, and the, uh, I can't remember what the name of the other one is, the Transformation Fund or whatever, um, are relatively small amounts of money in the context of the challenge that is set out on page 49. We need to be prepared for the entire reserve disappearing in one year unless we adapt the way our council delivers things. We absolutely, and I totally agree with you, need to be smarter, more innovative, look at what we do and try and do it as efficiently as possible. And I, for one, endorse your view that we would not wish to cut any of the frontline services that our residents want us to deliver and expect us to deliver. But we do have to look, and I think it's important that we are realistic about this, we, we have to look at this completely unpassionately and recognise that we undoubtedly face a very significant challenge over the next two or three years. The Council will look different in four years' time. It's not because I wish it to be that way, but we are going to have to deliver what we deliver with less money. Simple as that. In answer to your question, I, had an, I got a nod from Mr Webb. It would be pleased to do an afternoon session as well as an evening, so we'll put that into play. Um, I think the important thing is that, as we just said, we won't know the detail uh, until December the 17th for next year, and they might spell out a little bit more uh, of the de detail for years after that. So, clearly, in terms of making longer-term um, decisions, we, we would absolutely want to know of our position. We can, with some confidence, say that we're okay for next year. So, mm. the proposition would be that things are broadly in line. For example, we've already indicated that uh, the um, voluntary sector, which comes to the end of their three-year um, funding cycle, will get the same money next year uh, as they have this. So, um, so I don't think it's about, you know, the, 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 um, the budget strategy is not going to be wildly different from this year. So, but it is next year that we will have to start to decide how we're going to manage the challenging years when we know exactly how challenging they're going to be. And as Councillor Howell has indicated, um, we have a number of levers to pull on that. We can look at the way uh, we attract income. And um, let's be clear that we, we have three primary sources of income now. Um, uh, local tax. I don't think we'll be proposing what the Saffron Warden Town Council is proposing, which is to hike it up by 65%. Um, but you know that is a that is a that is a lever uh, that we clearly have um, new homes bonus will 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 d disappear business rates and growing more business to grow the pot uh, will certainly be a part of the equation so we need to be pretty smart on that um, and, um, and and the other one will be making better use of our assets and, and generating income and if you can just bear with us on that one because if we get wait for item 12 um, councillor Howell is talking about a special purpose vehicle and we can talk a little bit more about that so 
you know, of course, we want to have a, a you know very open discussion about uh, how we go. But I don't, there won't be any there won't be anything in the paper uh, at this stage to be slashing frontline services. So um, I think it's important uh, that you, you know who knows what we'll have to do in the following years when we really understand the size of our problem. Um, but uh, as I say, for for next year um, we, we won't have to do anything significant. But during the year we will have to be very much planning for the future. Our reserves, if you think of the reserves, there are lots of buckets, as um, Councillor Howell has said, but think of two key reserves. One is the medium-term financial um, strategy reserve, which we can feed money in. So if we're a million pounds short, we could feed in half a million pounds and make uh, £250,000 worth of cuts and raise tax and do other stuff to raise another £250,000. So I think it's going to be that kind of equation uh, that we'll be looking at, but all of that we can tease out um, as and when you, you, you know we're a lot clearer about the size of the problem but I, I think it'll be doing a bit of all of those things um, and um, you know where Uttlesford District Council is in five years time will very much depend on how acute the problem is. But I can read into what you're saying Mr Chairman that the workshops briefing, member briefings on the 11th of January are not just simply here's information but there is an opportunity to influence the remaining phase of the budget setting which obviously doesn't get it completed until the end of February. Is that right? Uh, sort of. Um, I, I mean by that time the, the budget would be fairly well set and I'll ask Mr Webb to comment on that now Mr Webb. Thank you. I, th I think I'll, I'll come on to that. I, th I think it's important to remember that this document does talk about could be in terms of the new homes bonus cut, there are, this is our attempts to interpret what is being said. It could still change. And I don't want to set hairs running that we need to make massive cuts or anything because we don't know at the moment. We've got to get the full picture. So that's important. I think in terms of the, the whole way everything's been condensed down, normally the budget strategy, which is a high-level document, that would go in October, November to Cabinet. We would then get the announcement in December and it would all feed through. That's all been condensed down because we just haven't had the information to be able to do it. Hence, it should, there should have been a member workshop last week on finance and because there's nothing out there, we just couldn't do it. So it is all getting squashed into a very short period of time. And yes, the budget strategy will be published the first week of January, which is before the member workshop. I would hope that if stuff comes out that um, members were in agreement to, then it's quite easy to change a cabinet report the following night by having a discussion on it so of course there will be chance to change it and you're right Councillor Dean the actual budget itself doesn't get approved until February so there's still a chance after that to revisit if there's something new does come out so it's a, it's a meaningful evening on the 11th and afternoon now. Thank you I'm happy with that reply. Good well item 10 was just for noting so everybody content to note a recommendation paragraph 2 those in favour Yep, thank you, carried unanimously. Uh, we carry on with Councillor Howell this time to talk about the 2016-17 LCTS scheme, Local Council Tax Support Scheme. Thank you, Leader. Uh, this is a very extensive report run, running to, I suppose... 130 pages. 130 pages, and I read every single page of it, and I absolutely loved the detailed comments on the consultation. I have to say that... I was really impressed. I was, we have a, a legal obligation to consult with our residents about the local council tax 
support scheme uh, and I was delighted with the consultation results. It's um, astonishing to get over a thousand neighbours commenting or at least voting or giving you their view. Uh, the overall results were interesting in their own right. Um, that's 95.2% believe that pensioners on low income should be fully protected with only 49 residents, 5%, thinking that was a bad idea. Interestingly, um, the support that we propose to continue to give working age recipients of local council tax support, where they make a contribution of 12.5%, and it should be kept at that rate for a third year on page um, 67, um, received 77.9% support, and 22% uh, against. But reading the comments that people provided against this and also the questions that we chose to ask around empty homes um, was extremely interesting. Um, I was, it, was, it was interesting in its own right on page 170 that somebody took the time to go on the internet and research and find out a website that identified what other councils do in this area and interestingly point, brought it to our attention. I think it's, it's a site I've actually been on my, my, myself in the past. But interestingly, uh, it, it identifies the average across most councils is about 20%, which leads me back to the practice that we have adopted over the last three years. When um, local council tax support scheme was introduced, um, we took the decision that we would support the scheme using our resources to the extent that we were able to. So when it was first set up, we set the contribution rate for working age recipients at 8.5% uh, and we increased that in 2014-15 to 12.5%, kept it at that level in 15-16. I recall at the election that one of the parties that fought the election proposed increasing it to 15%. Uh, we chose not to follow that approach. We continue to have the lowest percentage contribution rate anywhere in Essex. Uh, and on this one occasion, Leader, I, I do refer to Essex rather than all councils. Um, not only do we have one of the lowest rates in Essex, but we also have one of the lowest rates, I believe, in, in the country. But if you turn to page, uh, sorry, page 53, um, item 11, uh, you'll see that uh, compared to other councils um, that on average uh, identify um, or rather ask for a contribution rate of 20, 24%, 25%, 30%, even if we had increased it to 15% as was proposed, we would still have been the lowest council in, in, in Essex. Um, this comes at a cost to us as a council. Um, Sorry, I probably ought to recap the primary things that we have chosen to do in June before we went out to consultation. We decided that pensioners on low income protection should be protected, uh, that disabled people, carers and blind people on low income would uh, similarly be um, protected, that working age people uh, would receive the full council tax benefit and not pay more than a 12.5% contribution. We'd exclude various uh, earnings such as £25, child benefit, child maintenance and the like. We'd establish a discretionary um, subsidy uh, to ensure neutrality for our county councils and we would continue 
continue to fund parish councils to ensure that they received they had no adverse effect. Um, the costs are set out on 13 through to 20, uh, and I'm very happy to talk to how we uh, subsidise local parish councils, but it is interesting if you turn to the table on page 57 and 58, I think Councillor Barker will be particularly interested in this, um, the consequences of us ensuring that parish councils are not adversely affected is equivalent to a subsidy, in inverted commas, to Great Dunmo of 42,680,000 to Saffron Walden, Town Council of 61,882,000, to Stansted of 12,178,000. It is the lion's share of our cost. So the cost to us as an authority, um, I'm now going to struggle to find it, is £209,000 a year. one hundred and seventy one thousand of that is as a consequence of our discretionary funding of town and parish councils. Um, I believe in being compassionate a, and using our resources uh, when we can to help the most disadvantaged in our community, those who um, need our help, and I endorse the consultation results. Um, I've been proud of the fact that we have had the lowest contribution rate of any council in Essex. Um, I continue to believe that it was the right decision to do that. I recognise the financial challenges that we face as an institution. And I have to recognise that that some, some difficult decisions may need to be taken. But to date, I have been proud that we have done what we have done as an an organisation. I believe it was the right thing to freeze it for a further year. Um, I'm pleased that that was endorsed by local residents uh, and I note the consultation uh, and I would like to propose that it's recommended to full council uh, the proposal that um, uh, as set out in this report. Thank you, Leader. Thank you. Any comments? Councillor Parker. Um, Chairman, yes, I'm aware that this item went to scrutiny. Was there anything particular that came out of scrutiny? Councillor Dean. I was going to say that we had a cursory look at this this time. We didn't um, um, come out with any conclusions or recommendations because there is, it is the intention in, during the coming year to actually look at it in detail. So uh, that's, that's in summary the the situation coming review in or review in coming months. One thing that um, I've noticed uh, at the moment we, we have the exemption for people with disabilities and yet later in the agenda or is it the next one anyway but very soon we talk about car park charges and, and removing the exemption for people with disabilities. So there's, there's something there in terms of co- consistency that we will need to think about uh, when, when, we, when we look at it. Uh, I think that's all I need to say at the present time. Thank you. Well, just for information, actually, that blue badge proposal has been withdrawn, um, but you're not actually comparing apples with apples there. There are different circumstances. Um, but um, when your scrutiny reviews, and uh, we've had a recommendation, and we'll put that to the Cabinet. I'm sure they'll be supportive, and I'm sure Council will be supportive. But um, 
further to our previous discussion, uh, this is all part of um, 1617 uh, being a, a very comparative year to 1516, but thereafter we might have to make tough decisions. So maybe your scrutiny committee would like to look at whether it's appropriate that UDC um, funds town and parish councils to the extent, well, 100% uh, of the benefit. So um, I'm not suggesting that you, you know, what the outcome might be, but it, it should probably be part of your consideration if you're going to be looking at this thing as a whole. I can assure you we will look at that. Good. Councillor Barker. Uh, just for a point of clarification, um, we refund or we compensate... Um, the town and parish councils for the difference. Is that mandatory and do other councils do it? Um, it's not mandatory. Um, it's, ad, ad, it's a discretionary um, grant fund we give. Um, and funnily enough, I received various emails today from the Essex Finance Officers Association where another council was asking us all what do you do for your parishes and how does it work? Have you got any special arrangements and are you fully funding? There was mixed response. There was a few out there that were fully funding like we are. There was a few that were considering reducing it in line with the autumn statement because of making savings. But there are quite a few out there that, were, that have also reduced it in line with the reduction in the RSG because obviously the original council tax benefit funding when it was originally transferred over to the LCTS scheme was included in our RSG, and that's been going down by 20% per year. So a lot of councils, I think the favoured option seems to be a year-on-year -year reduction at 20%. Okay, if there are no other comments, uh, the recommendation is that the Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the LCTS scheme as recommended in June as set out in this report, uh, which is to retain it at the same level of 12.5%. Those in favour... Those against, carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Um, that brings us to item 12 um, that we referred to earlier, the special purpose vehicle, which is not an off-road 4x4, uh, but something else that Councillor Will Howell will tell us about. Thank you, Leader. Um, this report seeks, uh, in principle, approval from Cabinet to set up a wholly owned subsidiary of the Council, a special purpose vehicle, an SPV. And the purpose of the SPV will be to develop a range of commercial opportunities, uh, including uh, property development of Council-owned general fund land. Uh, and the initial loan to the SPV will be made by way of a new reserve funded from the Strategic Initiative Fund. We need to ensure that we prepare this exercise properly, and so it will take us uh, a little time to make sure we set it up with the appropriate legal advice, uh, obtaining uh, advice on the best business model um, to ensure that we, if we proceed with this, are able to maximise our income. Uh, it's an opportunity, I believe, for us to, to look in innovative ways um, to respond to the challenges that were set out in the paper preceding the, the last one on the Local Council uh, Tax Support Scheme. Um, it, it's clear that many councils, such as ourselves, are looking at opportunities to boost their income, 
Uh, and we, I believe, owe it to our local residents to do what we can to be innovative and responsive to the challenge. And therefore, I seek your approval in principle to establish the SPV. I would like to instruct the Chief Financial Officer to establish an SPV reserve in readiness to provide a loan to the SPV in due course. Um, and I'd like uh, officers to prepare and bring back to Cabinet an interim report setting out the articles of association, the likely costs and the timescales. In anticipation of that report, I think it is worth noting under item 10 that it is common practice for a company's objectives to be unrestricted. So when you see the report and read the articles, that does not mean that we intend to do anything and everything. There is a clear intention to confine ourselves to a relatively uh, clear range of commercial opportunities, including property development. Um, but I flag that in passing. That's the record. Thank you. Any comments, thoughts? Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Uh, seems like a tremendous idea. Um, the main question I have, where, where are we going to find the entrepreneurs going to go out and run this and uh, bring in the income? Therein lies a good question, and I think the, the con composition of the board, because it will require a board, because um, it will be an arm's length body, um, will need some careful consideration and to what extent you need external facilitation or to what extent have you got a lot of ability within the council itself. So I think that's a, that is a very fair question. To put it into context, um, there are a number of councils in uh, Essex that uh, have boards already um, and there are a number that have considerable assets. Um, Epping for example owns shopping centres, it owns an airfield, um, Braintree owns the land that uh, those big uh, warehouses are on on the 120. Uh, Basildon I believe is uh, investing in about 600 houses. Uh, so there's, 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 we're not um, out of step on this. Um, I, 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 I I hear your, we must get this right because for some councils it's gone wrong uh, and you can imagine how it could go wrong. So there is a word of caution about this. Uh, on the other hand, um, I just wonder what the government's long-term view will be and whether this is something we might want to get on with. Um, so on the one hand, we're in a hurry. On the other hand, we've got to get it right. Um, but uh, I think it is wholly appropriate that this council um, it, it takes greater control of its income for the benefit of its residents. And some of the investments that we could make could be further for the, you know, if we're in the property business, then obviously we set the rents. So, uh, you, you know, we can also be a, a social landlord as well. Um, so I think it has a number of, number of benefits. It's a very exciting project. Can I just clarify, with this wouldn't be social landlord, um, this would be market rent? Because no, I'm was, crystal clear on that. Yeah. I meant social with a small s. Okay, that, that's fine. I just wanted to be clear on that. Yeah. This, this is going to, you know, this, we're, we're not going to end up with hundreds and hundreds of properties out of this. This is an initial setup that we're looking at to get in and try it out and make sure it works. So your point about the entrepreneurs to run it, there will come a tipping point where you will need that. But there's, we know we do own some land and that, so that's what we'll be looking at at the start. Um, as I say, we want to make sure this works and we get it right because some councils have failed. And in answer to your earlier point, Councillor Dean, obviously um, this would be where the bulk of um, the 
SIF or whatever other fund you want to call it um, would go. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be exclusively around income generating projects, so there would still be uh, other community projects that um, we'd consider. But uh, it, you know, we'd have to be weighing those and, and, and making sure that we were making best use of, of public resource in terms of the longer term future uh, uh, for the public and also amenities in the short term. Any other comments on that? If not, uh, the recommendation is requested to approve the principle of establishing an SPV, instruct the CFO to establish an SPV reserve in readiness to provide a loan to the SPV, and require officers to bring an interim report to Cabinet setting out the draft articles of association and likely cost and timescales for establishing the SPV. Those in favour? Against? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, whether it's going to be part of the... Uh, at the SPV, or maybe not, um, use of council buildings for weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals, or anything else, I guess. But. I'm not sure whether it's going to do funerals, but anyway. <laughs> um, this is a proposal. Um, it's not going to solve our problems, but it is, I think, a, an indication of the approach we want to adopt as a council, where we seek to maximise the income opportunities that are available to us from our um, our assets. It's arisen because Essex County Council has recently reviewed its registrar of services and from the 1st of April 2016 uh, it's no longer going to be promoting wedding revenues, sorry, wedding venues. Um, it's simply going to be providing registrar services but we believe this is an opportunity for us to work with local businesses to promote these offices uh, and in particular the council chamber, the committee room and the chairman's uh, office um, as, a, as a, a venue for, a, for, for weddings. I was, I was speaking to Jamie um, earlier who um, tells me that's, that he got married here and I can't think of a better place to spend the happiest day of your life. <laughs> but, um, but it is um, a great venue. It's a, it's a smashing place. Um, and it, struck, uh, it strikes me as a very good idea that we transfer a sum of £20,000 from, from the Strategic Initiatives Fund to produce a wedding brochure um, asking and inviting businesses that are engaged in wedding-related things, such as hat hire, formal dress hire and the like, if they would like to advertise. The first issue will be free advertising. Um, and in addition, we set out the charge fees. It seems eminently reasonable, as far as I can see, that you can get married here for £250, without the registrar, of course, that's on top. But that is the proposal. Any comments? Councillor Redfern. Um, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly... I have no issue with trans, the allocation of £20,000 to set this project off or off, but I'm hugely uncomfortable with sitting here saying we're going to spend £20,000 on a wedding brochure. If that's all it's for, I'm really not comfortable with that. And if you're saying that we only get £250 for each time you use the venue, then that seems rather strange to me. And we're saying here that we'll be giving free advertising. Um, and I just don't understand why we would be giving free advertising. We don't do that for the... Um, 
brochure we send out with um, planning applications, so why would we do it with the brochure we're doing for weddings? Sorry. Well, Councillor Redfern, I, um, I hear your comments. Brochures don't come cheap as far as I understand it, but I am told that a good glossy brochure lasts longer than six months, and we would hope this would have a long, to, long shelf life. I'm also very aware that when brides sit down with their mums and their and bridegrooms sit down with their mums um, and plan weddings, they uh, intend, they, they want to see that they can plan the best day in their life and they want an idea. We, we are competing with a lot of other venues. It needs to look good. We need to be able to identify and put together a one-stop shop for any provider of services. I know from my own experience of trying to sell advertising in a not dissimilar publication long, long time ago in the distant past, it was miserably hard launching a new publication and trying to persuade somebody to part with £750 for a full-page advert. We want this to go off with a bang. If it costs us some money to get it right, I believe it's the right thing. I do hear the comment about £20,000. It does seem quite a lot of money, and I'm sure we can charge officers with looking at ways of doing this at less than £20,000. And if they spend less than £20,000, we can flush it back into that bucket that I keep referring to. Yep. Just, just thinking about it, I suppose £20,000 is not a huge amount of money, depending on how many brochures that is planning to produce. If it's planning to produce 20,000 brochures, it's a bargain. If it's planning to produce 50 brochures, it's a lot of money. And uh, I would, a word of caution that brochures can go out of life quite quickly, actually, so you may not want to produce them for the next five years. Um, the other thing is, are you going to let anybody advertise? Because presumably you want uh, something of a quality product. Uh, so food, for example, you've got listed. I mean... Will you have any restraint around that? These are all good points. And, and to be honest, I, I don't really do detail and I rely entirely on officers on this. I will defer to their judgment and a better experience on I don't know about better experience. This is a learning curve for us all. Um, I think the, the whole intention of having a brochure set up and running first time was what Councillor Howe said. If we're going to do this, we've got to offer the whole service. Um, and there are people, businesses within our district that will want to be in it. Some of them are small um, and they may not be able to come up with the money. Um, by us offering to pay for it first, it's good for our businesses. It gives them a chance to evaluate what business comes from that. And we will be careful, clearly, with food venues. We would want to see appropriate stars um, before we'd offer it. But we, we are looking at trying to give a full offering here to potential people who'd like to use this venue. Okay, I think we've got a sense there that um, in terms of the recommendation uh, that uh, hopefully you'll be able to do it for less than 20,000. There will be some discretion, be, be, be cautious about the number that you produce if, if there's any uh, kind of um, um, out of life sequence about it, the company's going out of business or whatever the case may be. Um, and, um, but that to promote this properly so that it does become an attractive venue and to work, I think, with um, a, a, a number of, of, of key suppliers is, is a good, having done this myself, 350 miles from home, uh, being able to um, 
touch into the key suppliers of, in this case it was a marquee, but obviously not here, but all, all the other components of a wedding um, is, is very helpful. And that's actually you know, a key part of it, as well as the venue, the fact that it's a sort of, uh, um, you know, all, all, all wrapped up in one uh, process. So um, let's, uh, let's do that, but uh, hopefully we'll get some change from our 20,000. Final word from Councillor Barker. Um, Chairman, when we've got this lovely glossy brochure that will evidently be in tourist information centres and, and similar places, um, it would be normal practice these days to also have it accessible as a PDF on our website? Yeah, we, we will look to have a dedicated area on the, on the website for the whole wedding. We may even look to have a separate website. Um, a number of councils that are going down this route having separate websites, so we'll be exploring that. It's about getting the brand right. Okay, so just to remind you that uh, Cabinet is recommended to allocate some of £20,000 from the SIF to enable the production of a wedding brochure and agree 2016-17 fees and charges. We haven't talked about those, but uh, uh, if uh, councillors are content and content with the recommendation, those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 14, transfer of land to Great Chesterford Parish Council. Uh, you'll all be pleased to know this is my last report. Um, and this is hopefully a very simple report. It uh, identifies a piece of land which we are requested, uh, or it is proposed we transfer to Great Chesterford Parish Council, subject to there being no objections being received following the public notice uh, of the disposal of the land. Uh, there's a map and a picture of it. Uh, it has been valued by Wilkes Head and Eve on the open market at £52,000. The transfer would be for nil consideration. The report itself, is, on the, sorry, the valuation is uh, quite interesting as to why it would be valued in the open market, uh, assuming no clawback provision at 115,000. And this does have provision if there is no um, educational um, building erected on this within I think 10 years, two years of which have gone, then it reverts back to the, um, to the original owner and that as a consequence results in a reduction in the value of about 40 to 50 percent. So the proposed valuation is 52,000. The site is 2.3 hectares. For those who have no idea what a hectare is, that's about 5.7 acres and my dad would say that's a thousand square rods. Okay, any comment? Councillor Redfern, I guess you better declare an interest. I declare an interest as, a mem as the member for the Chesterford and a member of the Parish Council. Thank you, I know. Um, and and um, the um, land is for 15, 15 years and two years has passed and we are talking to two different groups to provide a preschool on that land at the moment and I would hope that this um, cabinet could feel they could just um, support this. This was a piece of land that was um, really negotiated through a 106 agreement for some houses we had and we were lucky enough to get this to try and future proof the village for future education purposes so I, um, you know, I, I understand it had to be valued because it has to be, that's the way it's done. But as far as I was concerned, this is just a straight transfer, transfer and um, us were just holding the ball temporarily and passing it straight to Great Chesterford Parish Council. So I hope you can support this without any hassle. Thank you. Any other queries? 
I'll go straight to uh, the recommendation. The land is transferred to Great Chesterford Parish Council subject to no objections being received following the public notice of the proposed disposal of the land. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 15, sale of land in Wood Lane, Birchhanger. Councillor Redfern. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, this is a piece of land at the front of 5 and 5A Wood Lane in Birchhanger. Um, you can see from the pictures it's um, just a bit of um, untidy ground at the moment. And um, what we would like to do is ask, well, the residents have made an inquiry about being able to purchase this area of ground from the council. It hasn't got any other um, potential use other than garden. Um, so what I'd like to ask is that we could um, agree that we do sell this piece of land subject to us having the right valuation on it and um, the purchasers will bear all the legal and survey costs during that transaction. Councillor Barker. Chairman, I appreciate that the uh, item sets out a restrictive covenant on this. However, in this day and age, um, looking at this plot of these pieces of land, it is a very easily developable site. And um, is there any intention in the covenant to say that if in the future they should apply to demolish 5 and 5A and build 4 on the site, that anything would come back to this council? Uh, my understanding is that it would have a covenant on it that, to restrict the use of it for any development, but I refer to Mr Perry here because I may be wrong. We can only restrict development on the, uh, the land which we are transferring. We can't restrict development on the land behind it. We are going but to restrict that, yes. Yeah. Okay. No other comments? Okay, the recommendation is that Cabinet approves the sale of land in front of 5 and 5A Wood Lane in Birchhanger. The land be sold subject to conditions preventing any development of the land. The purchasers will bear all legal and survey costs of the transaction. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 16, car parking review. Councillor Barker. Um, Chairman, I'm aware that Councillor Sell wishes to speak, but if um, I could present my report first. Um, and I imagine that Councillor Sell wishes to, to speak regarding Stansted. Um, I am pleased to present this report, which puts forward a number of proposals for the council-managed car parks in Saffron Walden, Great Dumbo and Stansted. The report brings together issues raised through the scrutiny review of car parking and an externally commissioned report. The easiest way to explain the proposed charges are to look at the individual recommendations as set out. The first recommendation is to make some minor amendments to charges and timings in our car parks. These are specifically to, in Great Dunmo, introduce a four-hour tariff in the White Street car park. In Saffron Walden, to reduce the maximum length of stay in the common car park from four hours to two hours. The longest day was introduced two years ago, but has had little uptake. We need the churn in the car park for people who want to be in town a short length of time. Also in Swan Meadow, in Saffron Walden, to change the £2 tariff to allow four-hour stay rather than the present three hours. So for £2, you now get four hours, not three hours. The on-street one-hour charge will also increase from 40 pence an hour to 70 pence an hour to bring it in line with the off-street car park charge. In Stansted, the only change proposed at present is to increase the 10-hour stay from £4 to £4.70 to bring it in line with the station car park charge. The second recommendation is to charge blue badge holders in our car parks. 
You may be aware that some councils, such as Braintree and Colchester, do charge, as do private car parks. However, I have had some representations about this proposal, so I am not looking to progress this until I have more information, if at all. The third recommendation is to discuss with Saffron Walden Town Council the future of the Catons Lane car park. This car park is owned by the Town Council, but the District Council incurs costs around maintenance and rates. There has to be a decision on whether to hand over the whole of the responsibility to the Town Council or to levy a charge in line with other car parks on a profit share basis. I have already had the opportunity to discuss this with Councillor Asker and will report back the views of the Town Council in due course. The next recommendation is to free up season ticket only spaces after 10am. Sometimes these spaces have been observed to be empty at peak times when car parking is under pressure. Season ticket holders will be allowed to park elsewhere in the car parks. The fifth recommendation is for a refresh of all signage in the car parks with a particular effort to advertise the cashless parking system known as My Permit. Car park signage outside the car parks and direction signs to the car parks are also being reviewed. The next recommendation is to agree in principle to purchase an additional area of land adjacent to the Lower Street car park in Stansted. There will be a further report to Cabinet in due course. The next recommendation seeks to carry out a review of the Lower Street car park in Stansted following the opening of the health centre complex. This review will include looking at the pricing of season tickets. An increase in the price has been requested by the parish from its current price of £420 for commuters to a level closer to that of the, um, sorry, I've written this wrongly, of the costs at the station car park, which is currently £829.40 a year. Recommendation 8 is to hold regular meetings with the town and parish councils and town teams and parish forum um, to see how best the district can support the economic viability of the centres. Finally, Chairman, it is proposed that we establish a dashboard of indicators to monitor and manage the effectiveness of car park provision. Happy to answer any questions. Councillor Sell, would you like to speak? Thank you, Chairman. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come here tonight and, and talk about the car parking review, comment on it. Most of my comments are ones given to me by Stansted Parish Council, of which I am a member. Uh, just a, two or three comments which are mine. I, I welcome this report. I think there are, as Councillor Barker has outlined, a number of good things in this report. And as she's indicated, I am talking very much in relation to Stansted. And I welcome the fact that there is, in principle, agreement to purchase an additional area of land in relation to the Lower Street car park. That is going to be needed. No one really knows what the car parking levels will be when the health centre complex opens next year. Because, as you may know, the health centre complex is not just a health centre. It is also two retail outlets. It also is residential flats. It is also a dental surgery. And what the impact on car parking is on Lower Street remains to be seen, but I can, I'm pretty certain that it's going to increase. So I welcome the, the fact that the Council will be having annual meetings. I, I was disturbed to hear, to read, about the 
proposal about the blue badge. I hear what Councillor Barker has just said, and I welcome that. I declare as an interest as a relative of a blue badge holder, because it, I think it would be a retrograde step for this council to go along, bearing in mind blue badge holders, by definition, suffer from significant disability, and many of those are elderly, and it would be a retrograde step. Just to give some views from the parish council, and the first thing is that they asked me to comment on is that they would like the review of car parking charges to take place as soon as possible after the health centre complex has been established. They would not like it to wait for a year or more. And Councillor Barker referred to the charges for non-local employees, the season ticket charge. And Parish Council has formed their view that splitting the difference between what the railway station charges and what we currently charge, we're looking, suggesting a figure of £600, which would obviously help to increase the revenue to this council. The Parish Council supports the four-hour maximum stay in the Lower Street car park, um, as long as it's in the front section. The council believes that the parking areas leased to the health centre and apartments should be swapped around to make the patient parking closer to the health centre, pose any introduction of on-street parking charges, welcome restrictions on store delivery times, any additional revenue from the lower street car park should be invested in increasing the operation of North Essex Parking Partnership Enforcement and we also support the proposal to increase parking by the Goldsmiths, owners of Stansted Castle, by using their land. And one thing Parish Council hasn't commented on, but which is in the report, which I welcome, and there's a comment about free car parking for 30 minutes at Crafton Green, and something that uh, I think uh, my colleagues... Wythe has pursued for some years, so it would be nice to see it realised. Thank you very much, Chairman, uh, for giving me the opportunity to put forward the views. And just to leave with a, an aside, Stancid Council last night agrees a precept of 2.3% for the next year. Interesting. Uh, thank you very much indeed, uh, Councillor. So I'll let uh, Councillor Barker respond. Um, my only um, Slight query is the last point, um, but maybe you want to pick that up, uh, Councillor Barker, is um, it the one about the th free 30 minutes. Yes, I, I think that if the issue in Cambridge Road is a very complex issue, as you're aware, with um, people stopping and parking inappropriately, and there has been the, it's been the subject of a lot of discussion with the parking partnership in Wales on how we can manage it. I think the the report is trying to say that. If we were going to put some sort of charge on Cambridge Road, then we'd, if it's going to be 30 minutes free, it should be 30 minutes free in both. But I think that that's subject, we, we can have a, a separate discussion about that. Um, because I think just because of the layout of Stansted, people are still not going to drive into Crofton Green and park for 30 minutes free. They will rather double park or park inappropriately on Cambridge Road. And quite how we, we square that circle, I'm not sure. Um, as far as the, the um, charges for season tickets 
in Lower Street. Um, I don't personally have any problems with putting those up as soon as we possibly can, if that's what the Parish Council thinks might help and might move a few more people into the station car Sorry, so, well, it, for the time being, it's just going to leave them in our car park. But I think I'd like to hear the view of the other Stansted member here. Um, but um, one thing I didn't say is that all these recommendations will be implemented as soon as possible, you know, because there's, there's no signs only take as long as signs take. So we should be sort of moving on with those as soon as we can. You wanted to say, sorry. If you didn't mind, yes. No. Um, I, I simply just want to make an observation, although I note um, Councillor Barker's comment that the blue badge proposal is on hold while you take further consultation. It is worth noting a fact that the possession of a blue badge, while I recognise it does definitely indicate a disability, and it most certainly does, it is a fact that many of them are elderly. Blue badge ownership does not reflect your financial circumstances. And that is a fact. It might be that as a council we would want to continue to recognise that people require a blue badge and should be entitled to it, which allows them to park on streets and park in designated bays in car parks but that does not mean they do not have the resources financial resources and I put it on the table because we can lose sight of the fact that there is no link between the two things if that makes sense and I don't wish to sound too much like Scrooge just before Christmas the, the other point is to do with the signage of car parks um, I no longer live in Saffron Morden, but I did represent Saffron Morden for some time. I was on the town council. One of the things I really enjoyed was when we named places, they were after the field systems within Saffron Morden. Swan Meadow once was a meadow, and I, I don't remember it ever being a meadow, and the pond is the last vestige of it, but it was a meadow that swans swam on, and it was chosen because children played on a meadow called Swan Meadow, and I know that you want to rename things and the whole world is homogenised and we've become so suburban. But I think it would be a great shame if we lost something like the name of Swan Meadow. By all means, call it the town centre car park. But let's keep the name as well because it is part of our heritage and our culture. And final point, just for information, I occasionally travel from Stansted Mount Fitchett. It's a great station. I often meet you on the platform. Um, I struggle to find a place in the station car park. It fills up very, very fast. People park in the Lower Street car park, perhaps because it's cheaper, I recognise that. Um, but I try and park in the car park first before I try alternatives. And if I'm after 8.45, I very rarely can find a parking space. I just put that on the table. Councillor Dean wants to come in, but I don't know whether you want to... First of all, there's no point in carrying on the blue badge discussion because it's been withdrawn. Um, we can have a full discussion if it comes back again. Um, and I think uh, Councillor Barker and I had already picked up your point. There is, there, it's important to, for outsiders to understand that Swan Meadow is the, the town centre car park, but a bit like Addenbrooke's Hospital, you know, call it Swan, Mo Swan Meadow as well, because that's what all the locals know it as. So I think that's what you're going to do, isn't it? So, um, Councillor Dean. As, it's, as Christmas is approaching, I'm going to agree with Councillor Howell twice <laughs> on this item. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I mean, first of all, on, on the point that uh, Councillor Barker asked for further comments on, which was the season ticket charge at, at Lower Street, uh, Councillor Howell is, is quite right that the station car park does not have tons of capacity because everybody is parking in the council's car park instead. Um, so we have to look at this carefully. I, I think we have to see what happens. Oh, sorry, we've got to get the new car park in place and, and consider any changes to that, uh, that rate carefully because if all it does is displace people around the unmade, unadopted streets of Stansted, Mount Fitcher, then other people will be very unhappy. So, so I'll agree with that. And I also um, agree that careful thought needs to be given to this question of blue badges because uh, it is a case, why, why should one subsidise people who have got, many of whom have got more than the means to actually pay for parking? And my wife tells me that she increasingly goes into car parks where she sees, sees notices at the entrance saying all parkers have to pay. Um, so, so it it's, must no longer be um, universal practice anyway to, to allow free parking for people with blue batteries. But as you say, there needs to be consultation on that. So we'll see, come back to that one in due course. Um, wearing my scrutiny hat just to say that um, I'm pleased with this report so far in that, uh, that it has you know, continued the work that began in scrutiny and there are some sensible recommendations before you tonight. So um, uh, I'm, I'm pleased with that. And I'm also particularly pleased that um, the introduction of continuing dialogue with local stakeholders, which is something that has been absent. We, we've tended, I, I feel, to have car parks to collect the money, but not really to manage them uh, and, and certainly not to manage them in, in concert with the users. So I think, I think, I think introducing uh, a formal type of uh, dialogue with, with stakeholders, parish councils, business people, or whoever, I think, I think is a good initiative and, and that it should continue. The, um, I don't want to talk about any more about Lower Street. I'd just like to make a few points about um, Cambridge Road. Um, Councillor Barker is right to say that any changes to the regime, the on-street on parking regime, needs to be taken with care because there's a bit like there's no point displacing a problem just a bit further along the road. Um, I, I think what we should be looking at and, and will be, I think, from Stansted coming forward with some ideas along these lines is a, is a more comprehensive uh, proposal which, um, which allows access to the Crafton and Green car park from Cambridge Road. And if we can pull that off, then uh, it, will get, it will get people into the car park uh, by a route which uh, is, is not via Chapel Hill, which nobody was in, the, in their right mind is going to try to do. They're not going to come from Bishop Stalford, try to park outside Tesco, turn around and go all the way back into Grafton Green because, first of all, they probably don't know where it is. And, and secondly, it's just too complicated and messy. So, so I think that... Um, the, 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 Part of this dialogue that I just referred to is, is great that we've, we're setting, setting up a mechanism for that instance. We, as you know, there was a, a recent planning application which turned down, so we've got a period of time to look at that whole area again and come forward with some proposals. It may, I might say, Mr Chairman, uh, require 
something to be drawn from the Strategic Initiatives Fund. I, I, I just float that idea at this stage to, to bring something off which could provide a, a more comprehensive solution than just simply saying you can only park there for 30 minutes and uh, what happens to the people who you know, need longer. So I, 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 won't, I won't go any further tonight other, uh, other than thank uh, Thank Councillor Barker for bringing this report forward. It is a step in the right direction, but clearly we've got many more steps to take before we get something that's ticking perfectly or okay. near perfectly. Councillor Barker. Yes, thank you for that. Um, I, I hear what you say on the uh, season ticket prices in Stansted, and perhaps we don't have a specific recommendation around this tonight, but perhaps. Um, in drawing up the February budget, the officers can have further discussion with the parish council and see if we can move in that direction as we set the budget for next year and set our fees and charges. That would be all right. I, I suggest that might be too soon, Madam Chairman, because uh, the car park is going to be in turmoil for the next, uh, I don't know how many months. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll take it offline. Well, okay. yeah. If we can have that discussion. We'll have that okay, discussion. Ho certainly, hopefully, yes. Councillor Sell, we've addressed... Uh, most of, most of your points as well, and certainly Cambridge Road, Crafton Green, uh, the land at the back of um, the new Sainsbury's, it remains a subject for discussion. I don't know whether uh, Mr Taylor w wants to say anything um, this evening about that, but um, we're aware that there's some local ideas. Uh, work is being done with Essex Highways on potential um, uh, parking. It's, it's something will, will be done um, that is mutually satisfactory. Um, slightly cautious about the SIF. Um, we're investing in Lower Street. We, we could still be investing in Craft and Green because we said we would. So a promise is a promise. Um, I mean, if, if there's a, 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 a reasonable investment um, on that uh, development site, then you, we would try and look favourably. But I don't think it's going to come cheap. Um, and so we'd need a pretty good return on our, our investment there. I, I agree, nothing comes cheap, but we, we can look at various ways of skinning a cat or whatever the sure. expression might be. Yeah, we have the discussion. Mm. Councillor Redfern. Thank you. Just really quickly, um, I'm, I'm a member or have been a member of the Saffron Town team for quite some time, and during that whole time, the, most, the thing that comes up time and time again is car parking. So I'm um, really pleased that this is um, the signage, is, or it's car parking signage, and I'm really pleased that this is going to be dealt with. And you said oh, signage comes as soon as signage comes. Um, but do we have any idea on how soon that is? And because Saffron Walden, I think, are really... Um, although it always looks very busy on a Saturday the rest of the time it is really quiet and they are struggling to get their trade back from the closure of Waitrose so anything we can do to make things easier I think would be really welcomed but if we could have the signage for the new year it would be really exciting I'll ask Mr Taylor to comment on that um, and if I might just add that for every sign we put up we take one down um, you can okay. comment please um, if I could say we will do the signage as soon as possible but the new year, I, I imagine not. I think what is the most important thing in this is to have a regular dialogue with the towns of parish that we have car parks in. Um, our free after three parking in the run-up to Christmas will cost this council around £20,000. This council has to make a decision whether it wants to continue to spend that sort of amount supporting the town and parish councils 
And if so, if that is the most appropriate way to do it, I've certainly been contacted by Neil Gregory, who feels there are more imaginative things we could do, whether it's promoting spring fairs or cheese and wine festivals or um, Stansted Frost Fair, um, that can help bring people into town when times are quiet. I don't know any of the town centres well enough to know when times are quiet. That's the town teams and the parish councils to know. And I look forward to those discussions with them. Mr Taylor. And the two elements on signage, uh, the boards, in terms of redoing the boards, that will only happen after the uh, new figures have been uh, formally consulted upon and advertised, um, so that that can then be taken through and and the new boards with the My Permits put up. In terms of signage around the centres, yes, we've already been speaking to companies who are expert in uh, um, this field to make sure we put them in the right place. I'm not sure I can necessarily guarantee one sign up, one sign down, um, but uh, that's certainly, you know, we, we don't want to litter, litter the place and, and the, the issue from Council Howe about naming has already been picked up. So, yeah, we are on the signage. Uh, I can't guarantee it for the new year, but it will be early, well, early next year. Next year. <laughs> OK, good. So the recommendations, I'm not going to read them all out. They're recommendations three, paragraphs three through to 11, but excluding paragraph four. Um, and there have been some slight amendments that you've heard. I won't repeat them all, but, for example, the season ticket at uh, Stansted. Um, those in favour? Against? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. That moves us on to item 17, designation of Thaxted Neighbourhood Development Area Plan Area. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the Council has received an application from Thaxted Parish Council to designate the parish of Thaxted as its neighbourhood plan area. This proposal has been advertised as required and no comments have been received. Once this designation has been confirmed, the Council will be able to claim a grant of £5,000 to cover the cost of assessing and dealing with the submission. I propose the recommendation removing the word amended, so reading, to designate the area outlined on the map at Appendix 1 as the Thaxted Neighbourhood Development Plan area. Anybody have any comment? Those content? Against? Carried unanimously. Item 18. The RNPI brackets RF trial at Stansted Airport. Chairman, London Stansted Airport has been conducting a required navigation performance trial to improve track keeping of aircraft departing from Stansted. This trial has resulted in a concentration of aircraft across a far narrower band of airspace, thus in the main avoiding the centres of villages such as Hatfield Heath and Hatfield Broadoak. I would like to mention, however, that I have been contacted by a high number of High Easter residents who have commented that although the planes are higher once they reach the village, they have noticed an increased amount of traffic over the centre of the village, and they themselves have submitted their responses to express concerns about this and to ask for the route to be tweaked further to fly 500 metres north of the village centre. They also feel that the trial should have included Ryan airplanes, which account for 90% of the traffic from the airport. In a quiet rural area such as High Easter, the increase is noticeable, and with the decision to use the Clacton route for more departures is a great cause for concern. But as I said, the High Easter residents have submitted their own uh, responses. The recommendations that we have today, which have been endorsed by the Stansted Airport Advisory Panel, are that taking into account government policy on noise, the Council should support the airspace change, as the proposal will result in fewer people being directly overflown by aircraft and will give more certainty about the path that the departing airport take. The second recommendation is that the required Navigation Performance 1 procedures be implemented as soon as possible on the remaining Stansted Instrument departure routes. I so propose. 
Thank you. Any comments? This has been endorsed by the relevant committee. Yes. Uh, it seems to have community benefit, although you did uh, offer a, a slight um, question to that. I, I, I think the, the residents um, in the High Eastern area very much feel that with more planes transferring onto the Clacton route from the Dover route, with the continuing expansion of the airport and with this concentration over the centre of the village that they see themselves as being far more overflown. And but, that, but that is not necessarily it, it is not, to do with this trial. Um, I, I think it's a bit of everything, Chairman. Mm. And, um, you know, for, for one area to benefit slightly, you know, the planes have got to be moved. They are flying directly now on the, as it's shown in the diagrams, on the middle path of, of where they're supposed to be. Okay, there are no other comments. You've heard the recommendation, paragraphs three and four. Those in favour? Against? Carried unanimously. Uh, and our final item, 19, assets of community value. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. We have tonight three assets of community value that have been put forwards and a recommendation to include Upper Hill Green Clavering, the Foxwood House Public House in Clavering and the Yew Tree Public House in Manudin. Um, you will recall that an asset is of community value if either the current use furthers the social well-being or interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that sometime in the next five years the asset will further the social well-being or social interests of the company, or that there was a time in the recent past where it, when a use of a building or land had furthered the social well-being or interests of the community, and it's realistic to think that in the next five years the building or land could further the social well-being or interests of the community. These assets have been assessed by officers against these criteria and each has been assessed as meeting all four criteria. Chairman, I therefore propose their inclusion on the list of community assets. Thank you. Having had uh, some problems in the past with assets of community value, can I ask who owns Upper Hill Green Clavering? I have no idea, Chairman, but ah. we have a parish clerk. Excellent. Chairman, sorry, please. Right, please, please, please come up to the mic. That would be very helpful. <laughs> First, apologise. I was actually away when this was submitted by my council, and I didn't actually quite approve of this. The information they passed across that it should have been more extensive. Uh, Hill Green is actually leased by Clavering Parish Council at a peppercorn rent. It has, continues for another uh, until, until 2049. The owners of, that it was rented from, Dorothea Simpkinson and Charles Tatum, are deceased. However, they do have heirs. I, can, can, I will confess the parish council has not been able to trace the heirs. However, personally, I do know that they do have... They never had children themselves, but it goes that way, if you follow my logic. So those are the people who own it. I'm assuming that, for a, that this would have been... I actually was always given to understand that for assets of community, like when you investigated this, you looked to see who... Owned them. Yeah. Can, well, can I ask if it's as nice green and how big it is? Oh, Gosh, it's big enough. Well, it's the cricket pitch. So yeah. I don't know it by hectares, but um, the, uh, a I document can, was submitted. I, I can so say it's an ice cream. It's yeah. not, it's, 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 um, yeah. It is the cricket pitch in Clavering. Can I ask Mr Taylor then, 
because we, can I ask who you're paying the peppercorn to? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you're storing them up. Yeah, well, I've got them in my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes, it was. It was literally. It was written that way, and no, no one has come. Th- they died. They, the last one died in, in the 1960s, early 1960s. Yeah. Sorry about that. So conscious that in the past. Um, Landowners have been surprised, shocked, and dismayed when they realised their assets were had become community assets. Um, have, we've made effort, have we, Mr. Taylor, to contact these descendants? Um, uh, most people weren't shocked that they had uh, assets community value adopted. Most were shocked that they'd been submitted by the parish councils. I think that's a key difference. And what we've always, we now recommend to all parish councils is they do their utmost to engage with all those people before they submit them. Um, the, uh, so yes, we have we, we carry out a land charge search, land registry search on all the properties, and then we write to people who are registered with them. We put a site notice up. Um, on, the pro- on the property itself, so in this case the green, although there are others in this paper, and we put everything on the, um, the website, which I am just looking at. Um, so that includes all the submissions from the parish council and how people can, can come and back. Um, I haven't got the document in front of me about who we wrote the letter to. Um, obviously, if it was so far back, if the land wasn't registered, we wouldn't have been able to send anything directly to them so it would be formed back on the site notices and website notice um, the, and that's yeah okay. as far as I'm on, I can go Chairman I think I think as the assets of community value that go on the list have to be reviewed at regular intervals then I think we're fairly safe with 2049 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay well that's the first one um, Fox and Hounds Public House uh, Admiral Taverns Pardon? Admiral Taverns. Public. Right. right. And, they, and they are, they're aware? Yeah. Yes, they Chairman. They've raised no objection. No, we've had no comments and we've, we've consulted everyone who is registered. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I think we'll vote on these one by Well, that's how the, um, the recommendation is laid out. So we're clear about those two. Thank you very much. And thank you for staying for the whole meeting. I hope uh, you found it interesting. Um, The last one, the Yew Tree Public House in Manudon, they have complained. Um, So uh, we note that, however, um, it is a a village pub. Uh, It is very consistent with uh, listing other, um, and I believe it's the sole pub in Manudon. Um, And that's very consistent with um, what we've done elsewhere. So uh, I think members should bear that in mind when we come to vote on that. Any other comments? Okay. So do you agree to include Upper Hill Green Clavering as a community asset? Unanimous. Fox and Hounds Public House Clavering? Unanimous. And the Yew Tree Public House Manudon? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. There are no other matters arising. Meeting closed at 9.05. Thank you.